Hello and welcome to Blades Pod. My name is Ben. It is Wednesday, the 21st of April, and I'm joined as always by Andrew. How are you, mate? Long time no speak. That's right, mate. Yeah, I'm not too bad yourself. Yes, I'm uh, I'm fine and dandy, thank you. Uh not much has happened since we last spoke, I don't think, has it? Nah, I don't, we've been relegated, chairman's left, and the entire fabric of football nearly changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nearly that, changed. It's quick pod, I think. <laughs> quick pod, yeah. We've got a memorable match to uh, to talk about, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, <laughs> any of those you want to... Uh, I mean, we should probably talk about the fact we've been relegated, I guess. You know, the, the great surprise that it is that United are going down. I mean... This is uh, how many times have you not know, been relegated in your supporting lifetime? Four, I think. I think this is four. Yeah, uh, under Bassett, under Mickey Adams, under Warnock. If it was in the Prem in this one, yeah. Yeah, I see. I wasn't into football for um, for that first one relegated from the yeah. Premiership. So. I were only really young, and I remember my dad being absolutely gutted more than anything else. I can't really. I remember listening to it on Radio Five, and I always remember always remember this. I were only like I don't know, I would have been eight or whatever, ten or whatever, uh, and the radio commentator we were like ten minutes ago saying Sheffield United are safe, and mm. as a young kid thinking, oh that's great, <laughs> not realising <laughs> he were just sort of presuming it. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> nothing can go wrong now. Yeah, it's like Sheffield United are now safe. I'm like, oh, come on, and let's go out. It's like, hang on, they said we've gone down. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened. So, yeah, I mean, from a, an emotional level, I mean, uh, I, I doubt we'll experience a, a an easier relegation, if you like, oh, you know, no. in terms of, like, uh, disconnected from, yeah, the pain of it. Uh, Literally I think... disconnected from the pain of it because we weren't there. I mean, I were in yeah. the pub. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it was clinched obviously with uh, with our defeat to Wolves, a, a sort of inevitable one nil defeat. You know, just fit, fits the pattern of the season. Uh, and Newcastle won as well, didn't they? I think that was the uh, other result that yeah. tipped over the edge. But yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a good debate to be had as to like which is the worst season to have experienced this one, or say the uh, the relegation to League One last time, or probably some others you could throw up as well. But mm. I think in terms of the actual act of being relegated, I mean. I barely realised it had happened. That's that's how. No. I mean, people who've listened to us over the last six months, I guess. Yeah, we've been pretty resigned to this for a while. I'm, I'm pretty. I need to go back to check, but I'm almost certain that after we lost away at West Brom, which I yeah. think was November, I'm almost certain we said that's it, isn't it? You know, we we just yeah yeah we're in uh, too so big a hole. Actually, I don't know if you saw this, and I, I can't remember it was, but uh, and said the list. The it came back up the first pod we did of the season after Wolves, and we were joking about, oh, we might even go down now. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our uh, our preseason predictions are, are, are pretty way off, I think. But but this yeah. one, I think, yeah, we had a good feel for this one that we back in November we just dug too big a hole. And even mm-hmm. you know, even when we kind of um, we were starting to win some games in in January, and admittedly, three of those were in the FA Cup, weren't they? But we had started mm-hmm. to win some games. I think you know, we, even then, we, you and I were pretty clear that it's like, you know, this is nice to pick up yeah. some points and get a yeah. bit of pride. But we we were talking in terms of let's just try and finish the season strongly, and to you know, get get twenty five points or something like that. Yeah, let's not go down as a national embarrassment, basically. <laughs> Which Lose. never happened. 
grand. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sadly, that, that, that was our best case scenario, I think. Get to 25 points and uh, it just didn't happen. Uh, it doesn't look remotely like it's going to happen. I feel... It's one of those seasons again where everyone always says at the beginning, oh, you're going to need a small amount of points to stay up this season. And it's looking like a fairly normal amount, doesn't it, that's going to keep them up Newcastle and Brighton, whoever it is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you need a fairly small amount of points to uh, finish 19th, it turns out. Because, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really look like we're going to uh, pick up many more at all. Can you believe there are six games to go? No, 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 not at all. I can't, I mean, it doesn't seem to be getting any less. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what? There's still that many to go. I mean, like, I watched a bit of the last night, and they've got, like, three games left, I think, mm. something like that. And you're like, That's yeah, right. that seems about right. <laughs> yeah. Not six. <laughs> I know, I was trying to get my head around this. I was like, how come the championship play eight more games and yet they are finished in like two weeks and we're we're still yeah. going till the end of May. We, they're still making us play these blooming games. Well, we got the last game. Burnley, isn't it? I'm going to say we'll be on TV or anything. Nothing, there's nothing to play for there, is there? Unless like Fulham or West Brom have a miraculous recovery. Yeah, is, is that actually our last game or just our last home game? Oh, I thought it was the last game. I could be wrong. I think it, I, I, Do you know what? Until this morning, I didn't even know we were playing on Saturday, and I don't take any pride out of that. I, I, I just had Radio Five on, and they said Brighton picked up a point ahead of their trip to Sheffield United. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> Fortress Bramall Lane. It is the last game, by the way, Burnley, which is, yeah, uh, yeah. is has been moved. I think they've have they moved that round of fixtures back or something to uh, allow the potential for fans. I the eagle eyed. So yeah. The eagle-eyed out there in uh, Blade's Twitter has noticed there's a uh, a ballot holding page gone up on United's website. Did you uh, have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, I've lost you lost contact a couple of weeks before I did, to be fair. But I'm fully with you know. I, I really, really am not sort of engaged with Sheffield United at all, and and that's nothing to do with anything other than the fact that we're absolutely rubbish and we can't go to the games. Mm. It's, it's, there's nothing to sort of hang on to because we've got no manager, so it's not as if, like you've said before, that it's not as if we can think, oh, that's interesting, he played Osborne there or whatever, yeah. because the new manager probably not going to do that. So Yeah, I will say uh, I'm, I'm absolute. if that's how it works with a, a ballot for Burnley, I'm absolutely putting my name down, which... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds yeah. a bit, uh, I don't know, sounds a bit fair. <laughs> it's a fair with the fan, is it? I'm, I'm... People will be pointing you out, saying, like, you didn't even you watch didn't... the last couple. Where were you when we lost to Arsenal at home 3-0? <laughs> 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 yeah, I think I was watching Stuka or something instead. Of, so. well, I didn't watch the Wolves game, so we're out, like I said. And um, it, I, it was really pleasant, actually. Uh, like, sort of waking up in the morning. Oh, lost one. No, I talked to my dad. He watched a little bit, actually. Mm. And um, he said, yeah, they played all right. But, you know, same old thing. Like, yeah, that sounds like us. But... I don't know. Obviously, we can't really comment on the games. We didn't. We didn't speak. We didn't see it. So, but by all accounts, it was just the same old. Yeah, play all right. You know, but absolutely powder puff up front. Same as eighty uh, plus percent of all our other games. But yeah, the uh, the experience of going back to a match is uh, is what's keeping me going. Obviously, yeah. uh, you and I have both sampled the reopened pubs in the last couple of weeks. That's mm, been uh, yeah. a nice step towards normality. And, and you know. still got hangover, as I've said to you before. I went on Saturday, and I still feel awful today. So, so this is well, this is like day <laughs> six of the hangover. Day, day, day four, six day five of the hangover. Of the hangover. House, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I still, honestly, I still feel proper rope. I think it just messes all your sleep up and everything. Yeah, I've not been hammered for ages. <laughs> I had a proper went for it on, <laughs> on Saturday. Um, I'll, I'll use it as an excuse that United got relegated, so you know I drowned my sorrows. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was, I was half hoping, uh, having gone to the pub last night, I was half hoping that results might conspire to uh, 
to relegate oh, our neighbours, then I could say that that was why I'd gone to the pub. But yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, they, uh, they live to stay up now. Though everyone's decided to stay up now. So, <laughs> uh, do you want to quickly talk about some of the other things you mentioned there? I mean, uh, chairman steps down, and I think a, <laughs> I think a few people thought that was uh, the oh, owner so stepping. Down. Honestly, I don't usually wade in really to Twitter sort of arguments and stuff that often. Maybe about once or twice a season. Well, I kept saying people saying, yes, he's gone. You're like, what are you on about? <laughs> it's not even him. How do you not even know the guy you've been slagging off for the last, for the last like, three months? Is, is it, This is Prince Abdullah's son, right? I, I it's his son-in-law, I think. Son-in-law. Of course it is, excuse me, so. yeah. It's, uh, yes, that is right, yeah. And... Um... Everyone was one down, one to go. So I think there's a few more than that, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, uh, I think it did he say stepping out for personal reasons, I think. So hopefully uh, hopefully everything's all right there. But yeah, yeah completely. My, yeah. Um, I, mean, I thought some of the some of the abuse you were getting were absolutely disgusting. He's nothing to do with Wilder going, whatever you think about it. Yeah, my understanding of that role is it is about as ceremonial as a chairman or chairperson can be. You know, it's a bit yeah. like uh it's a bit like Bruce Buck at Chelsea, isn't it? He's the Chelsea chairman. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I don't think Roman Abramovich is answering to Bruce Buck. Somehow. No, this is it. He didn't make any of the decisions in that. In that. Uh, it was funny because BBC and TalkSport all got hold of it and said Sheffield United chairman resigns and all the neutrals, understandably, mm. put... That's them. They're finished. They're going into admin. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're, yeah. They're going to be going straight back down because they, obviously there's no context, though, actually. The, the, no offence to the guy who stepped down, but he's, he's completely meaningless, isn't he, in the, in the grand scheme of things? It's not a name that I have seen pop up apart from when he was appointed as chairman. He went to a chip shop as well. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, he, he was photographed in a chip shop. I think I don't know if he opened it or... <laughs> he, he, I've seen a picture of him in a chip shop, so... Excellent. Maybe that's why he stood down. He's he... <laughs> it's, it's done his bit for the local community. It's like, yeah, my work here it. is done. Yeah. I'm off. Um... But like I say, all the all the tree, even Wednesday fans were saying, "Now, Chancery, you step down as well." It's like it's not the same guy. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Newcastle fans probably getting a bit excited. I'm like, oh, the the Saudi owner has left at uh, United. That means they were. Yeah, they were. The Newcastle. I actually talked to one. Well, not talked to one. One of them, Paul. Oh, I think this could be good. Like, and he goes, no offence. He goes, I've got the beers out. I think this could be good. I put the beers back in the fridge because <laughs> this is not what, what you think it is. And you're like, oh, dear. It's really <laughs> not, yeah. Uh, I mentioned Chelsea there and uh, and ownership. And, yeah, su- Super League fun and games in the last couple of years. I've, I've been really invested in this in the last couple of days. You, I don't think you have been quite as into it as me, have you? Uh, well, the thing is, this this story pops up like every six months yeah. doesn't it and you know we had project big picture if you remember that not very long mm-hmm. ago at all that was probably three yeah. or four months um and so i've become a bit desensitized to it in terms of like well you know this just happens all the time and it's used as yeah, like a yeah. uh what's the sort of uh work friendly <laughs> way of describing this posturing let's let's go yeah. with that a bit of posturing yeah. to uh you know try and try and seize a bit more power basically by these clubs yeah. And then, uh, yeah, my brother sort of messaged me. He was like, why is everyone getting in a, you know, getting in a, a twist about this? And I looked at it. It was like, oh, they're, they're actually going ahead with it. It's supposed to start in August. This, this seems legit. Yeah, well, the thing about I, well, well, the, I was the same as you. I thought, I said, yeah, I'm not bothered. And then I think it was Sunday night when they announced that uh, Ed Woodward had stepped down from UEFA and uh, someone else, Chelsea guy or whatever. I'm thinking, whoa, this is getting a bit serious now. Mm. <laughs> Because yeah, and they've it, basically drawn their membership from UEFA to do this, 
and you're like, whoa, that's yeah, this is getting a bit serious. And then obviously Gary Neville on his rants and stuff, and it all sort of kicked off. So, but I've been really invested the last couple of days. It's you know the most exciting thing of the season. <laughs> <laughs> what do you? Uh... What what did you want to happen? Is is, is this it? You know, then now that it's uh, it's being uh, canned. I mean, they're, they're backpedaling basically. Aren't they? Is this is yeah, this your yeah. ideal outcome, or, or did no, you have not a different all. scenario? I'm more I'm more angry now than I was when it happened. I, I was I was fairly not angry when it happened. I just thought you greedy. You know, you know that I think everyone thought the same. It's all about greed. Mm-hmm. Wasn't good for the game. What I'm mad about now is everyone's patting each other on the back that they've got these six clubs to stay. No mm. punishment, no charge, no proper talk of how we're going to sell out the carnage <laughs> of football. But everyone's suddenly delighted that we're sticking with a system that is very slightly more equal than the one that they proposed. <laughs> I know the relegation thing and all this sort of stuff is different. I'm not saying that Super League is not different to the Premier League. Of course it is. But we've still got six teams here, basically, who are going to finish top ten every year. I've got no chance of genuinely being relegated. Sky are talking like they've saved football simply because they've got the product backed. You know what I mean? It's fans of the top six are saying they've saved football. They've saved nothing. You know, they, they'll still be turning the, they'll be turning up these fans back in the owners when they buy themselves a new player, like a new toy or whatever. And it's mm. it's all poor me or poor me. You know, they're taking my club away from me and all this. None of these people cared when Bury went under or Wigan went into administration or even Wednesday got six points took off them. Yeah. And now it's all like, oh, it's not fair. And... Sorry, a bit of a rant here. Everton no, no. fans, I'm pointing, I'm like pointing as I'm speaking. Everton <laughs> fans like talking, they, they issued a statement, which were a good statement, you know, they were right in what the statement said. Mm. And everyone's saying, yeah, Everton fans are the people. Everton were one of the five clubs who instigated the Premier League. Mm. But now Everton aren't part of the elite anymore. It's all different and it's a disgrace. You know, they, they were one of the clubs who didn't care about the 84 clubs or whatever below the Premier League back in 92 or wherever it was. And I'm not saying Sheffield United have no blame in this. We were founding members of the Premier League. We're owned by a Saudi prince who I imagine wants to make money from football. The Premier League, though, have invited all these all these people into invest money and big money and make this unreal, glitzy, magnificent product. And now all of a sudden, like, what? You want to make money for yourselves and you're not involving us? That is out of order. This is a disgrace. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just don't I think it's being romanticised that football's been taken back to the fans when football is still unbelievably unfair grossly unfair yeah. and all that's happened is we've kept it from being slightly more unfair yeah one of my um uh, one of my mates is is not into football and he was sort of saying look i i, I kind of get it but why is there so much outrage it's not like it's you know jumpers for goalposts anymore <laughs> anyway you know yeah um, i was like yeah that it just totally makes sense uh, but it is I, I, I none think... of us wanted this super league to happen I'm, I'm, I'm delighted it's not happened, but the backslapping since the clubs have backed out as if everything has been saved, just it just doesn't sit right with me at all. Because yeah. the problems, the football's in a massive state, and it's due to these teams. It's yeah. due to their, the money they're spending means the people underneath have to spend. Look at us, we go up. Uh, we, we've spent quite a lot on transfer fees by our standards, but we've still got the lowest wage bill. A couple of years down the line, if we don't trim that wage bill and the parachute payments stop, we're going to be in a right state, in the same as every other team who went down and didn't come straight back up. And that's all because of those six at the top. And unless something stops with that, this is only going to keep happening and keep happening and keep happening until it makes financial sense for everyone for them to leave. Yeah. I wonder if it will, if there will be longer-term ramifications of this or whether it will just be, as you said, you know, pat ourselves on the back. We've got it back to back to normality and we can just pretend that everything's fine. I mean, that was... That was kind of what I said to my mate is that 
Yeah, there is, you know, this huge kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's outright corruption at the top levels of football, of course. Yeah. You know, pretty much everyone who's worked for FIFA in the last 20 years is now in jail. And, yeah. uh, you know, everything is obviously geared towards uh, the financial superpowers in the Premier League. But you could you could kind of kid yourself that, yeah. you know, miracles could happen. That you know, Everyone brings the Leicester story up. Yeah. And that, that was a fantastic... And everybody was behind Leicester because you're thinking that could have been us. Mm-hmm. But it's such a one in a million season or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's not, but it's not really the winning or anything like that. You know, before the Premier League started, Liverpool won ten out of sixteen titles. So there's always been dominance. You know, other than the seventies when the Forest came up and a few teams, there's always been dominance of big teams, and that's fine. That's always going to happen. But now you can't, you cannot compete without spending loads of money and putting your own club into debt. Like yeah. in, instead, to the point where it's going to. You know, you, you could go under like a bolt, and I know Bolton's not going under, but the reason Bolton are in the state they are and they nearly went under is because they were in the Premier League for so long. So it's going to get to the point almost where you're going to be thinking, yeah, I want to get to the Premier League, but this could realistically, we either don't compete or we put the entire club at risk. Yep, you want to get to the Premier League, but do you really want to get to the Premier League? It's this, is it? I've seen some people say they'd like to get promoted and just stay in the championship, and it sounds ridiculous. We all want to play Man U. We all want to see the best players at Bramall Lane. Of course we do. Last season were fantastic because we finished ninth, and it was, wow, look at what we can do. Which were funny, by the way, because I was laughing that Arsenal and Tottenham got invited. And like last season, we were with them all season, weren't we? We were swapping <laughs> places all season. And we're like Sheffield United, first season out of the championship, the lowest wage bill in the league. Mm. Uh, so you think, what are you doing in this Super League? I thought they were, uh, made a joke of themselves, Arsenal and Tottenham. To be fair, but I understand why they went in it because financially it makes complete sense for those six clubs to do it. Yeah, I mean that that was the thing of like uh, you know I think you, I think you could always have this image of you know the big six is is driven by merit, like performance by footballing merit. You know yeah. those, those are the teams that finish in the top six the most, but. You know, ultimately, it is down to which teams generate the most revenue, the most yeah, commercial yeah. revenue, and tickets, and all that kind of stuff. And th- this just laid it bare. I mean, it was this is know, it. literally this is... what they said. That is why we are going into this because we are the six teams that make the most money, and we want to uh, double down on our competitive advantage and, the and make sure we can the never Premier be caught. Sky, as if this is like this sort of as if they're saying, "Well, that's not fair." Because we want to be involved in the money as well. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you can understand you're a chairman. You don't know anything about football. Uh, there were a guy in Sky Sports yesterday, one of the reporters, who said, because one of the, the owners of the top six clubs didn't even know what kit their team played in. Didn't know the colour of the, the, the kit that they played in. That is how out of the loop they are. They're not owning it for any other reason than to make money. If you look at it like that, as a business, you must be thinking, well, hang on, we're getting 80% of, uh, 80% of TV money is because of us. Why should we be involved in this league? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Purely on a business sense, it's understandable they want to break away. Yeah, well, there it is. It got, uh, you know, swiftly died a death. Uh, probably not permanently. I imagine that will be uh, mooted again at some point. But uh, yeah, as you said, I think it, just an interesting forty-eight hours or so over long that that story lasted. I mean, one of the, so I guess my final thought on it is just how how badly planned and executed it was i mean yeah you know these are extremely rich people who have planned this and generally speaking you don't become extremely rich without sort of knowing what you're doing you know there's a few exceptions yeah, yeah, and yeah. uh they hired, a, they hired a pr firm to do this as well 
Yes. To, to, you know, to put this out. And you were like, well, I, I, won't, I don't think they'll put it on the CV. Anyway, <laughs> that <laughs> list of achievements, if people, people want to employ them. Yeah, so I don't know. That, that, that's what's kind of take, taken me aback a bit, I suppose. It's like, did you guys not think this would happen? Like, you know, because they seem pretty upfront about we don't actually care about, yeah. you know, legacy fans was the phrase being used. Oh, so. This is the thing. If you'd have done this podcast yesterday before they'd have like black backed out, my point would have been, it's laid bare how little the top six clubs need their local fans. For every one yeah. fan in Manchester, there's 10 in China. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't need them in terms of a financial sense. So if they'd have gone through with it, they're basically saying, well, sorry, but you're not, you know what I mean? You're not our most important people. And that is sad because these Man City fans, for instance, you know, a lot of them will have gone to see them in League One. They, they are proper fans. And Man United fans would have gone when they got relegated in the 70s or whatever. And they were basically saying, if this had gone through, well, sorry, but these, you know, Asian fans are far more important because they give us more money. And that was sad, but I think it'll happen. I really, really yeah. think it'll just keep keep rearing its head every year and it'll get to a point where it'll make sense for everybody, including the Premier League, to, to say, well, all right, then we'll let you have this little league. And then every five years, if Leicester win it five years in a row, they can get promoted mm. or something. You know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah. It's... Uh... I feel like we've said this a few times, but it's football's not been uh, not been an easy sport to feel positive about in the last. No, well, and oh, Perez, the Madrid chairman, he's got to be. He, he just literally sounds like an evil, more of a genius after what happened. But you know, he sounds like a, he just sounds like a bad. I don't know if you saw his interview where he's saying we are saving football. Yeah, and yeah. All this, and he's like sort of talking about, and it's unfair because we're in so much debt. It's like, well, stop buying Gareth Bale on 300 grand a week or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very easily stopped. If you want to save football, cut, put a wage cap on everyone. Stop making billion. The worst thing you think about is Real Madrid will probably sign Mbappe next year and saying, oh, we're, in, we're really in debt. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think they've, I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure Real Madrid are like in debt to a bank who, like, it's, it's in their interest to fund. Real Madrid, essentially. So there's like yeah. they're never going to call in that debt. They've basically got an unlimited. Whereas Barcelona, pool of money. I think, are different because Barcelona have had to be bailed out by the government twice, haven't they? I think because that's right. Their, their debts were so high. Barcelona probably they've got to be one of these big Tottenham Hotspur, for instance, with the stadium and everything. They I don't know what debt they're in or anything. I know they get a lot of money, but if they don't qualify for the Champions League four years running, they're probably all going to be looking over the shoulder, thinking, "Hang on, this is getting a bit serious now." Mm, that's why they've cut ties with Jose, obviously. And, uh, oh yeah, yeah. From before the the big League Cup uh, final, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I, I just think the whole thing stung. The whole thing were about greed. The whole thing just laid bare how little they these clubs need the fans. And I did feel quite sort of happy that, or privileged almost, that Sheffield United cannot exist without us. They mm. can't exist without the local fans. We're not a worldwide brand. Prince Abdullah can't make any money, can't run a club if our fans don't turn up. So we do have some semblance of, uh, of fan power. You upset the fans and they stop going and they stop buying, your, your club's finished. Yeah, I suppose the flip side of that is that um, if we want to, if you want to yeah. become an elite club, you reach a stage where you don't, you don't need the fans anymore. Because but this you is have... the hypocrite. I'm, I'm a hypocrite as much as everyone else because when we went up. One of the exciting things is, well, oh my God, my team's going to be seen abroad. You know, there's people in yeah. South Korea watching Sheffield United beating Man United or drawing Man United, whatever we did. Thinking, oh, that, it were really exciting to think that. And then it's laid bare that if that had carried on, if we'd have been top ten every season, challenging for Champions League Europe every season, 
we'd have been in a very similar position to these clubs who don't need us, me mm. and you. Then you know the guys who go every week, so who uh, don't even bother to watch it anymore. <laughs> in my case, yeah, right, yes. Well, that was good. I, uh, I, I didn't, um, I didn't expect to have so many thoughts about this actually. But you've, uh, you've put forward a very. Uh... I've been listening to a lot of the radio and getting more and more angry. My, my, I put a tweet out this morning that I, I, Trevor Sinclair on Talksport while me York, he was just saying. They say, no, should they have points deductions at these clubs? Because you can't do that. It's not fair on the players and the fans. And it was like, oh, no. Wednesday are probably going to go down this season because they've had six points took off. If they go down now, it's likely to be because of those six points. Yeah. That's not Wednesday fans' fault. That's not my mate's fault. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That they could go down. So what's the difference? What is the difference? Wigan went down last season because they got 15 points or whatever it was took off them. Leeds United got relegated to League One because they got 20 points. Of course it's not the fans' fault. None of it. None of the the bad decisions made by football clubs are the fans or the players' fault. Very true. Um, I'm going to use that as a neat segue into uh, you know while we're talking about clubs where points deductions would be unfair on the fans. <laughs> I'm going to segue into a memorable match for the week, which is uh, is a game against West Ham. Of course, I'm sure loads of people uh, got the reference there. And we're going back to January 2004. And a very exciting uh, three-all draw with West Ham. Uh, did, were you in attendance for this one? I was, I was. I think it was on TV as well, weren't it? But I was it, there, yeah. It um, was, yeah. I think it was a Saturday evening game. Uh, and yeah, a, a really exciting game. Uh, I think two... Well, there was many, several debutants. I think two of them actually were on the score sheet. Yeah. Uh, a couple of really good goals, a... A West Ham collapse that was a bit of a trend for them around this time, having been... Uh... Yeah, I looked at their squad, we'll get onto the squads for this game, and it's like, how did these, these not go up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they, they had got relegated the year before, hadn't they? I think that was the uh, yeah. that was the infamous too-good-to-go-down team, wasn't it? That yeah, got relegated. that's right, with Defoe and, yeah, mm-hmm. um, James and the like. Yes, and, and it was another late Sheffield United comeback. This is, of course, the season after the triple assault season where we um, reached the two cup semi-finals and the playoff mm. final. And then, yeah, we go into this season. I was thinking we'll uh, we'll run away with this, basically. We'll be uh, hot favourites. Yeah, yeah, I thought we would. We kept Did... Michael Brown. We kept Jagielka. We kept Tong. You know, all the big players were still there. Mm-hmm. And we brought in a couple of players who you thought were impressive. I think Jack Lester came in. Mm, he did, yeah. Um, I can't remember who else came in that season. There were a couple of Alan Wright. I know it sounds mad now that you think, but he were a proper Premier League player every season. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I were really, um, yeah, really confident this season actually. Yeah, it didn't. Uh, it didn't go that way though. We ended up finishing eighth. I think we're only a couple of points outside the playoffs. But um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah considering uh, considering the I think pre-season expectations, that was a massive step back from. Yeah from what we'd done the previous year. But, yeah, this game then. So uh, let me just run through the team as quickly. For the Blades, Paddy Kenny in goal. I think Rob Kozluk is playing left-back, which uh, becomes apparent <laughs> in some of the goals. <laughs> uh, Chris Morgan and Robert Page in the centre. Phil Jagielka at right-back. Uh, midfield three, I think, of Montgomery, Stuart McCall and Michael Tong. So, yeah. you know, that McCall and Tong were massive players the previous season yeah, yeah yeah and then a front three jack lester paul pesky salido and uh chief wayne allison yeah you're right jack lester signed this season um 
adept at winning penalties. Do you remember like how unbelievable and taking them? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I think he was. Uh, yeah, in fact, he was our top scorer this season. I don't know how Did many. Yeah, about fifteen, sixteen. This is the only season I've not got a season with the programs for. <laughs> he so got, I couldn't have a look at this, but he got twelve in the league. Twelve in. 32 appearances and 25 okay, starts. So. Yeah, it might, might have been 15 in all competitions, to be fair. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he, he was a, an excellent penalty winner and taker. Um, on the bench for the Blades, Paul Shaw, who uh, this was his debut, signed yeah, from... Yeah, sign him. Signed from Gillingham, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. That's where he made his name. Dean Sturridge, Alan Wright, you mentioned Mike Whitlow and, uh, and Mark Rankin. Neil Warnock, the manager, obviously not doing his, uh, not going with a substitute goalkeeper as always. Um, and then, yeah, some great names for uh, for West Ham. We were managed by Alan Pardew at this point, so they started the season with Glenn Roder as manager. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was sacked after about four games, I think. Sir Trevor Brooking took over for a bit, and then they nabbed Pardew from Reading, who he'd led to promotion to the championship and then the playoff semi-final in his first season and then uh yeah jumped ship in october and went to west ham and ultimately took them to the playoffs at the end of this season but um yeah this team for west ham Stephen bywater and goalie would later go on to play for sheffield wednesday in uh in league one andy melville christian daly anton ferdinand michael carrick matthew etherington kevin horlock hayden mullins john harley ex-blade and uh, David Connolly and Marlon Harewood up front. That's a very good team, isn't it? Yeah, I'm looking at it now, actually, as you're reading it out. And, uh, yeah, they should have won that league easily because that's a Premier League team in those days, easily. Yeah, and some good names on the bench as well. Uh, Robbie Stockdale, Neil Meller, Brian Dean, Rami Shaban, who was a backup goalkeeper, I think, and Chris Cohen, mm-hmm. who... Uh, went on to play for Forest, I think, right? Here's the uh, yeah, yeah, that's Forest, right, yeah. Forest stalwart. Yeah, Brian Dean, uh, yet another return to Bramall Lane. And uh, he did end up coming on towards the end of this game. Um, yeah, West Ham, I mean, this was a... I remember the atmosphere being really good for this game. I don't know if it was a... Yeah, there was only 23,000 fans there, so it wasn't like yeah. like packed house or anything like that. But yeah, I do remember a really good atmosphere. And uh, Pesky Salido gave us the lead after five minutes... Uh, I think it's he, Tong with the He'd just come off the back, Pescus lead of a hat-trick um, the weekend before against Gillingham. Uh, we won 3-0 and he got a hat-trick. And he'd been out of the team pretty much all season this year. And he came in, got the hat-trick. He's like, right, you've got... And Warnock were always reluctant to play Pescus Lido, I think. Mm. I'm looking now, he only played... Yeah, he played just over 1,200 minutes in the league in the whole season. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's way down the list. I'll just see if I can sort this now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, Michael Brown almost played that much, and we sold him after like two months, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, Mike yeah. Mike yeah. Whitlow almost played that much. In fact, uh, Paul Gerrard, the backup goalkeeper, played more than Pesky Salido that season. Yeah, I always remember he was so reluctant to play him. He would, he, he wanted to play Wayne Allison a lot. He used to obviously like his big target man, and Jack Lester was a like preferred partner to him, really. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, Lester did have a good season, but yeah, Pesky, he'd, he'd done some heroic things for us. The uh, the previous season, but he did get a start here, and yeah, he slides in uh, in front of the Bramall Lane then to uh, to make it one nil. Um, but before we get to twenty minutes, Michael Carrick with uh, a really nice, really well worked goal for West Ham. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, I think it's David Conley, and it plays this like fantastic first time round the corner ball, and uh, Carrick runs onto it and lifts it into the net. Yeah. 
it's weird to think of Carrick playing at this level. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, loads of players basically jumped ship from uh, from West Ham that season, didn't they, at the start of it? But Carrick, uh, Carrick hung on in there. And, yeah, uh, did they have Defoe and Joe Cole, David James? Um, was Rio sure they were there? Who, sorry? Rio Ferdinand, was he still there? Or did he, was he, he may be, yeah, you may be right there. I'm not sure. Um just bear with me, because I, I remember that team going down and thinking, whoa, how, how have these gone down? <laughs> because yeah. just look at the team from the season before now, in fact, and the squad. Yeah, they had um, Leon Britton were there, funnily enough. Uh, not one of the big... Yeah, Les Ferdinand were there, Glenn Johnson, hmm. uh, David James, Thomas Repka, Nigel Winterburn, Donald Chinson, Lee Bowyer, Trevor Sinclair, Paolo Di Canio. <laughs> it's, yeah, so, I mean, back in 2003... That was a really good team, wasn't it? That team should have been top ten. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think Defoe was still part of this squad, but uh, he, he kept getting sent off. He was suspended for this game. Okay, they got like three red cards in fifteen games or something. Ridiculous. He asked for a transfer, didn't he? The day after they went down, and everyone was going mad about mm, it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so Carrick makes it one all, and then John Harley on his West Ham debut, having. Uh, had a, a nice loan spell with us. Uh, what would that have been? Two years before this was that oh two oh three season. No, it was it was the season before um, because the season before he'd been on loan to us, and then we he went back to where did he come from? Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea. Yeah, he went back to Chelsea. We couldn't get him back till the for the end of the season, hmm. and all the pre season and all, pretty much all the way through this season, we were saying. We'll be all right once we get John Harley back. John Harley will be coming back soon. He's not in the Chelsea team. Or it Fulham he went to, in fact. I can't remember whoever you're playing for. Anyway, he'll yeah. come back. He'll come back, and then he went to West Ham, and I remember everyone being absolutely gutted. And on his debut, scores an unbelievably good goal. Yeah. I was I was right behind this on the cop. Like he just sort of dribbles forward. He's obviously playing left back. He dribbles to the left corner of the box and uh, just lets fly on his left foot. And it is it looks great on the uh, like the standard TV angle because Paddy doesn't yeah. dive, does he? Just. He just stands and watches it, but it's it, a it, phenomenal goal. I'm just looking, by the way. Yeah, he was at Fulham, mm. and he came to us in 2002-2003 season, uh, where he played 14 games, and then he went back to Fulham, and then West Ham signed him for this game, and then he actually signed for us permanently the season after. Okay, but uh, yeah, a pretty impressive debut. You, you don't really get a sense of this uh, without replay, but the amount of swerve on this yeah. shot was unreal. And as I say, I was at the perfect angle for it. And it's one of them, as soon as he shoots, you just sort of see the arc of the boy, like, oh, my God, that started sort of two yards wide of the far post, but it's absolutely yeah. flying into the top corner. I remember and- I remember him scoring. Clearly remember thinking, oh, not him. I, I loved him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is how you treat me, John. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then about 15 minutes later, Marlon Harewood, who was a... A thorn in our side throughout his whole career, basically, particularly when he was with uh, Nottingham Forest. It's funny because it, uh, someone was doing a Den Blade. I think you were there when you were doing a Den Blades thing, and he was saying, I'm on, "I'm on about doing a Den Blades article for the ten players who always scored against us." He goes, "I've got Leon," and I think your dad, you, and me at the same time all said, "Marlon Airwood." <laughs> <laughs> so I did actually look this up. Uh, it's part of my fun facts, but um, okay. I've got others. Yeah, he. Uh, there's only one team that he scored more against in his career, and that was Wigan. He scored seven goals in 13 appearances against us, and uh, he managed to get, I think, eight in 15 or eight in 12 against against Wigan. But, yeah, it, it really did feel like he always scored against us. And, um, yeah, Matthew Etherington gives gives Jackie Elka the runaround on the left wing. 
Cross yeah. comes into the back post and uh, Kozluk loses Harewood, who uh, just has a pretty simple task of volleying it into the net. Question just a of- word on Dragiel, because you mentioned him. He was appalling in this match. He completely lost his form this season. I don't know if you remember this. Obviously, broke into the team the year before. That was the first big Jagielka season the year before. Obviously, the goal against Leeds, and he went to centre half. He was fantastic. He was all over the place for most of the season, and this I felt was this. I always remember this game for his performance. Mm. He, um, I wonder when we moved him to uh, midfield. Actually, whether that was the next season or the one after. That's a good question. That I reckon it'll be in the season after. Yeah, because I think. Um, yeah, obviously the season we went up, it was mostly Kozluk there, weren't it? At uh, right back, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, not central midfield. That would... No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. just yes, give yeah, me heart palpitations there for a Kozluk moment. That season, weren't it? I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Kozluk was at left back, uh, and yeah, he loses loses Harewood, who, who volleys into the net, three one down at half time. It's looking uh, it's looking pretty bleak for the Blades, but. I don't know how well you remember this, but the second half was like a proper onslaught from United. I mean, we we were played fantastic in that second half, yeah. Yeah, but um, it took us a heck of a long time to get back into the game, and Etherington had a, a couple of chances to kill the game on the counter attack. He was a really good player, Etherington. He went yeah. to Spurs after. Yeah, and then he went to Stoke and had a decent spell in the Premier wow, League. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, God, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was probably better for Stoke than. Uh, Pretty much anyone. He was phenomenal on one of the championship managers. I was used to be Peter Brooks. They had him and uh, Simon Davies. Simon Davies, that's the guy. Yeah, <laughs> like win the league every year. And Gareth Jellyman, and you were like, oh, that'll do, mate. Promotion. Gareth Jellyman. <laughs> yeah, both of those went to uh, Spurs, didn't they, Davies? Yeah, and they did. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, we uh, we're knocking on the door, trying to get back into this game. And uh, Paul Shaw comes on for his debut. Uh, replacing Jack Lester just after the hour mark. Do you have many memories of Paul Shaw apart from this game? I used to love Paul Shaw. I used to think he was our version of Burkamp. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. He was like one of those sort of strikers. He wasn't an out-and-out forward. He was like a, a link-up. I thought he was really skillful, just mm. unbelievably slow. Yes. Um, like, horribly slow. But on the ball, he was a bit like a bad version of David McGoldrick, I'd say. Yeah, um, I think that's a fair shout. Uh, and I remember... I always wanted him to play. He scored a brilliant goal against uh, Wolves. I don't know if you remember that, where he sort of flicked it above. I think it might have been Lescott's head and then put it in like a bit like a Gazares sort of goal. No, I don't actually. Yeah, when we drew three three, the famous where Warnock said it set you've thrown it away to set piece. Oh, I was <laughs> yeah, at that as well, but I don't remember that goal. How weird. Yeah, yeah, a brilliant goal, and he scored another fantastic goal against Sunderland. I think that season as well. And I always mm. wanted him to play, but he were out on loan. I think he went to Rotherham and. He never nailed down a first team place, but I liked him, mate, Paul Shaw, as a not a fan, not one of the greats, but better than a lot of the players that we had at that time. I felt. Yeah, I'm just so how old was he? We signed in 2004, so it'd have been 31 when we signed. I, I knew him as a yeah. Is that his goal record at Gillingham? Wasn't that impressive? You know, it's only like one in six. Looking at this, 125. Yeah, like I, said, I think he was more of a link up player, like a McGoldrick style player. Hmm, but. Uh, yeah, he comes off the bench and uh, <laughs> so I'm talking about the build-up to this goal because it's quite significant. We have a, yeah. a long throw, gets slung in and sort of flicked on by Alisson, I think. And Pesky Salido goes for an overhead kick from about eight yards out, ends <clears> up <throat> whacking Ferdinand. Not in the face. It's sort of it's kind of chest level, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it... No free kick is given. It gets cleared to the edge of the air, and I think McCall plays a good first-time pass to Shaw, 
who has a shot and uh, it kind of goes through Bywater to make it 3-2. Do you remember his celebration? I don't know, actually. Go on, what was it? I, I, don't know why, I don't know why this stuck in my mind. Because we obviously were losing a bit, it was his first goal, so we were happy. He just sort of pointed to the family stand once and then that were it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, I just always remember him pointing sort of really, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, you can count on it. <laughs> West Ham obviously wanted a free kick. Uh, yeah. what, I, what you... I think that possibly gets disallowed by uh, bar. Yeah, I, th- I think it just, uh, I think a referee would give it today yeah. certainly even though he doesn't actually catch him in the face and it's not because pesky salido is not the biggest guy in the world and uh no anton ferdinand is pretty tall yeah he doesn't he doesn't get close to kicking him in the face and i'm not totally sure he makes any contact full stop but i think it definitely does get given as a foul yeah these days um but yeah west ham not happy it's uh paul durkin is the referee i was oh. so a good 90s yeah oh, sorry, early 2000s why uh, no. referees? I'm just looking. Paul Dirk is from Dorset. Why are they all from these sort of places? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Yakeley and <laughs> all these weird places referees are from. <laughs> I don't know. This is part of the uh, entry requirements, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shaw makes it 3 2. Uh, and then we have another long throw not long after this. And again, it comes to Pesky Salido, and he very cleverly runs across Anton Ferdinand, who. Mm. I don't know, maybe he's still a bit shaken up from uh, from the whack he got shortly before. Yeah. But he, he runs across Ferdinand, who brings him down. The referee's in no doubt and gives a penalty. I was in well, no doubt. That, at the this time. game reminds me of Pesky Salido, if you know what I mean, in the sense that he's just busy. Making all stuff the time. happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Running around all over. Obviously, not the strongest player. He's not going to win yet. Just so busy. I, I hate to mark him as a defender. Mm. He, I mean, he win, he wins this penalty, doesn't he? Yeah. He runs yeah. across Ferdinand and essentially forces Ferdinand to foul him or run into him, if you like. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was adamant that this was a penalty while I was uh, at the ground, and it, <laughs> it still looks a foul to me, to be honest. So yeah. uh, again, West, I'm not too happy with it. Tong steps up to take the penalty, which is why. Well, Jack, I'm just looking down the list. Jack Lester had gone off. I don't believe Jagielka had taken any at that stage. No. So, uh, yeah, Tong steps up to take it. And I've got to say, it's a, it's a pretty good penalty, to be fair, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's, uh, yep. It absolutely smashes it uh, towards the, the left corner of the net. I suppose you could say it's a good a goodish height for the goalkeeper. But Bywater gets across and saves it. Yeah. Um, it's and an we, excellent, it's a really, really good save for a penalty. It is a tremendous save, yes. Tong hits it so hard, doesn't he? I, I was you know, just so convinced it was going to be... Uh, going to be the equaliser but no Bywater saves it did you know this was Bywater's first appearance for three years for West Ham no I didn't actually know yeah so um <laughs> so he'd been there for a while but then David James had obviously become the uh the number one but this was his yeah first game back in the team for uh since 2001 and uh he had a pretty yeah. good game to be fair I think just after this he made a really good save from uh from Dean Sturridge who'd uh who'd come on as well oh I do remember that yeah I do remember that because I, I think Storage were a fairly new signing as well, weren't they? Yeah, and Warnock's uh, continual acquisition of st- <laughs> 30 something <laughs> yeah. strikers. He never, yeah. never saw, a th- saw a 30 year old striker he didn't want to sign. But uh, yeah, Bywater <laughs> made, uh, made a really good sort of close range save from him. And then Etherington had one of those chances I mentioned um, late on on the counter attack. I don't know if mm. you remember this, but it was like a four on one. And he, instead of squaring it for a really easy chance. Oh, I do. Yeah. Shot and it was a yeah. really poor shot, and we got away with it, and yeah. uh, got to go down the other end, win a corner in the ninety-third minute. 
this this is one of those great scenes I love of watching United on uh, like old videos and stuff where yeah, particularly the season before I guess, but you just got like the cop where you can see people are starting to filter out. So like the the little gangway at the front of the cop is yeah full of people basically because everyone's sort of getting ready to leave almost, but. It just makes for a great scene when this corner comes in. I don't know. Paddy's what, up, isn't it? Paddy's up for the corner, yeah. So everyone's, you know, on their, well, all, all on their feet. So not even on the edge of their seat. But um, yeah, Bywater has had a really good game. Throws it all away, basically. Can you explain yeah. to me what Bywater is doing here? Just absolutely no man's land. It's almost as if he's thought, this is my first game for three years. I've played amazing. What could possibly go wrong if I come running out of my, my net for no reason? He sort of, I, I watched it, like, I just kept replaying it to try and work out what he does. But he first he runs into Pesky Salido and gets a bit yeah. stuck on him. <clears throat> and then he runs into his own defender and gets a bit stuck on him as well. So it's, it's not like a, the corner's sort of looped to the back stick, isn't it? It's not a particularly mm. good corner or anything like that. Jagielka rises and meets it. And it's not a very good header either. <laughs> just sort of loops in, doesn't it? This header loops slowly towards the goal where there are three defenders on the line and none of them can hook it away. So Jagielka, 93rd minute, loops it into the back of the net for a uh, yeah, a, a thrilling equaliser to make it three all with basically the mad Jagielka as well. <laughs> he does, yeah. And I, I remember going mad myself and Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was uh it was a, a, a great atmosphere. Sort of great atmospheric moment, I suppose. But yeah, it was. Uh, I think watching it live, I was just like, "Where is the goalkeeper?" Jagielka just had this really soft header towards goal, and suddenly it drops into the net. It was yeah, yeah. It was a, a really surprise equaliser, but a great moment and an exciting game. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, didn't. Um, that was the closest we came to West Ham that season. They would finish fourth, and uh, yeah, we we finished a couple of points outside the playoffs and in eighth place, didn't we? Yeah, I, it was a really disappointing season. This, given what I've gone before, I think at this point we were still in the top six, and we were in top. Mm. The, we were, yeah, sorry again. We were in the top six most of the season this year, if I remember rightly. Like, and then we had an appalling run towards the end that just sort of ruined our season. Yeah, I'm just trying to bring up the uh, results now. I can't remember. I feel like were we uh, were we eliminated with a few games to spare? Yeah, spare? I think we lost. I think we drew drew Ipswich one one, and that that was the end oh, of it. Oh, that was it. Yeah, we were talking about this, weren't we? So these... yeah, because you mentioned this, and I couldn't remember it. And I looked. In, I'm just looking at the thing now. Uh, we won two out of his last nine. That's not good. No, <laughs> and I think before that we were in. So I think we were in automatic contention up until I remember us losing to West Brom, and they went above us, and they won the league. When was that? Uh, February. Mm-hmm. So up until February, I'm pretty sure we were in the top two. Yeah, that Ipswich game. We drew one all, and I always I said this to you already, but I I always remember this was on Sky as well, it was a Friday night, and I always remember somebody on the cop had like a, a handmade banner that said something like it was words to the effects of uh, to the effect of the fans want promotion, but do the players? It was like yeah. a really weird, strangely <laughs> passive aggressive thing to <laughs> to think. Never mind, right on a side, but of course. Uh, the sky cameras picked it out, so it became a little bit infamous at the time. Uh, it's I think... really interesting, by the way. I'm just looking at the team for that because I, I keep. I think what I get mistaken with is that Ipswich game what we were talking about, and the season after where we blew the playoffs, we were like two games to go against Derby, we lost one nil. Can you remember mm. that one? I do, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking at the team for the Ipswich game. We're already... 
It's a mad how many strikers he had. We bought another two strikers in by this point. Andy, Andy Gray, who actually scored the penalty, and uh, Isla McLeod. Oh, yeah, and uh, Ashley Ward was part of the team this season as well, wasn't he? Was that early yeah, in the yeah. season? Yeah, he never really fit, were he? But yeah, he started the season, yeah. Isle McLeod. Yeah. I quite liked him, actually, but... Uh... I think yeah, the reason I get mixed up is because he went back. He went to Derby, or he went back to Derby and played against us the season after mm. in that one nil where we lost. He might have even scored. I might be wrong with that, but yeah. Aye, but uh, yeah, we uh, that Ipswich draw. I think uh, I think killed it, and then we we drew with Preston on the the last day of the season. I'm just uh, have yeah. League, why have I not got the league table here? I just wanted to see what the. Um... How many points outside the playoffs were actually... Uh, the goal difference, sorry. Uh, so only two goals worse off than uh, than Palace, who finished finished sixth and actually uh, got promoted by beating West Ham in the final, didn't they? Of, uh... Yeah, well, it's interesting, actually. Um, the Crystal Palace was on that final day. Crystal Palace were outside of the playoffs. I think it were Wigan in sixth and Palace in seventh. Mm-hmm. And Brian Dean scored against Wigan for West Ham. Oh. Uh, to put, take Wigan out and put Palace in, and then Palace ended up beating West Ham in the playoff <laughs> final. So, oh, <laughs> very good. I I do remember that now actually, and uh, that's a good a good segue into our fun facts for uh, for this game. Do you want to uh, do you want to start us off? Yeah, Phil Jackson has got the equaliser here, and I've got I like this start. Keith Curl played with both Alan Ball, whose career began in 1962, and Phil Jackson's career still going, which makes Keith Curl the man with the longest ever. Career-spanning teammates at a current fifty-nine years. <laughs> so Keith Curl played with a nineteen sixty-six World Cup winner and a yeah. current Premier League player. That is outstanding. I wonder if he's played with someone who's won. No, I can't have done. But he probably played with someone who played with someone who's won the uh, who won the last World Cup. If you yeah, get me. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it's like 59 years between teammates. Keith Curl's the the missing link <laughs> between oh, Jackie Elker and Alan Ball. That is insane. Um, so this draw for West Ham, I mentioned uh, sort of at the top of this section that um, they've been collapsing left and right. This was, when was this, the 17th of January we played this game? Yeah, I think yeah. This was the, this draw made it 25 points that West Ham had dropped from winning positions that season. And that's only yeah. up to January. Those 25 points would have put them comfortably top at that stage and... Uh, Obviously, would have put them top at the end of the season as well. Even if you don't take into account any other one, any other games that you drop points in. But yeah, oh, they yeah. must have been. I don't know. They, I mean, they had a bad start, obviously, and, and sacked Rhoda, and then had a caretaker in Brooking. But yeah, it can't have been going super well for uh, for Park. I'm pretty point. sure Trevor Brooking never lost the game when he was West Ham manager. He always, <laughs> I remember him coming in, and he always seemed to win because he, he ended the season with him as well, didn't he? Because uh, I know that can't be right. I think he, he ended the season in the Premier League with them, I thought. Yeah, but and then they got Roder in and he got sacked after four games or whatever. Mm, maybe it was the... I don't know. Maybe it was the year before when uh, he was their caretaker manager and yeah, then it was possibly, Roder yeah. him down. I remember having a really good manager with a record. I think, why is he just, just get it broke in? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else you got for me? Uh, Paul Pesquisolido was sold by his own wife. <laughs> Karen Brady twice. <laughs> uh, what was the second time? They were both at Birmingham. Birmingham signed him back oh. uh, on both occasions. She was Birmingham chairman, and she said, uh, "I sold him twice and made a good profit both times." Classic Karen Brady. <laughs> That's all she's bothered about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely, I like that. Um, did you know this that Christian Daly was uh, 
famously uh, caught swearing on camera after uh, after Scotland lost to Germany in two thousand and three. No, I don't remember this at all. <clears throat> so he uh, they they lost two one. Uh, I think there was a contentious penalty in this game, and uh, yeah, when he. I think the manager, Bertie Vokes, who actually was German, uh, of course, mm. uh, he was being interviewed on TV. And uh, in the background, you could hear somebody walking away shouting, cheats, effing cheats, effing diving cheats. <laughs> and he, he would have got away with it daily if, <laughs> if Vokes hadn't turned around and shouted, Christian, mid-interview to get him to shut up. <laughs> but he became, uh, yeah, he became infamous for doing this. I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs from... Uh, <laughs> this is from the Scotsman's report of it in 2003, which I really enjoyed. And it says, it's not what you would expect of Christian Daly, the man named after a religious newspaper. <laughs> the only possible downside is this latest corridor controversy is the theory might have irked the Germans into easing up against Iceland, who Scotland need them to beat or hold to a draw at least. Wow. But yeah, I yeah. thought that was great. Uh, <laughs> there's, sorry, one more line about me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's... Uh, Daly once told of his habit of stumbling into pubs unannounced whereupon he would pull up a stool and jam away on his guitar his rock and roll credentials have now been engraved on his guitar forever the foul mouth respecter of no reputation the tousle haired (laughs) urban warrior of Dortmund someone someone at the Scotsman was having a great time with that one absolutely superb I've got a little bit of a a segue there because one of these mine is about music actually Um, Mm. Brian Dean I think uh, three England caps all one while we and I uh, two of them were against New Zealand, which is quite bizarre in itself. <laughs> uh, one of the New Zealand games were played at Athletic Park in Wellington, which was the venue for a Fleetwood Mac concert that is regarded, apparently regarded, according to Rolling Stone magazine, as the worst concert of all time. Uh, <laughs> Fleetwood Mac played there in March 1988 as the band had an internal meltdown and left the stage during the show to sort things out before returning to continue. As they came back and Stevie Nicks sang, Mick Fleetwood pulled his jacket over his head and began performing a grotesque imitation of her. Christine McVie then slapped him and chucked a glass of wine over him before the band left again. (laughs) (laughs) I lost the thread on that one. (laughs) Yeah, so basically they they were playing a gig, they started having an argument, so they went off stage to sort it out, came back on, had another argument, went back off again. (laughs) Fair enough. Um... Did you know that Millwall qualified for the UEFA Cup this season, despite finishing tenth oh. in the Championship or Division? I do remember them doing it, but I don't. Remember, I didn't know it was this season. I do remember them getting it because they got to the FA Cup final, didn't they? They did. Yeah. Uh, does that still happen now? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it, it does. So if we got to the FA Cup final this season, would have been Europe, even despite being the worst Premier League side. I believe so. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, a few teams have done it and got relegated, haven't they? Wigan, yeah. Yeah. Birmingham as well. Uh, Middlesbrough, I guess. Yeah, when yeah. they lost to Chelsea. Um, but yeah, that. can you remember our cup run that year? We we got knocked out at the, was it the quarterfinals. Hmm. Yeah, we lost to Sunderland. And I always remember that in the quarterfinals, Sunderland. And I always remember this game because I was watching it in a, in a pub and it cut to uh, Paul Pesky Solido, who was swearing. Um, I don't know if you remember this at all. Some some, some people mind. He was swearing as the camera were on him, like constantly for about five seconds straight, and they pulled away from his like like industrial language there from. <laughs> <laughs> just like I don't know who he was swearing at, but I just it was like a, just a, a, a stream of expletives coming out of his mouth. <laughs> so I think uh, yeah, did Millwall beat Sunderland in the uh, 
semi-final can you remember that's a good good question they were playing actually. another championship team Might um mm. let me just have a look so i've got it up here give me a sec uh they must have been them surely i want to say barnsley actually yeah sunderland mill yeah we're arsenal man united and then sunderland mill <laughs> a bit oh, of a difference. Okay. <laughs> yeah but that could have been us you know if we'd have beaten sunderland and we got to play millwall we'd have beaten them surely and then uh Blades would have been playing in Europe for the uh, the first time proper, but not you imagine today. how mad Sunderland must have been to lose to Millwall. <laughs> like, yeah, I always think. Remember that that season where three Championship clubs got to the semi final, uh, and I yeah. always and Barnes, Barnes had lost to Cardiff, and I always think West Brom were the best out of the three, got Portsmouth, and they must have been thinking if we'd have gotten any of the other two, we'd have hammered them. <laughs> like, yeah, I know that was uh, yeah that was the Portsmouth Cardiff FA Cup final, wasn't it? Which is a great one, yeah. Yeah, that's what happens when you get three <laughs> three lower league teams in the semi-finals. Let's get the all... Super League back, come on. None of these <laughs> nonsense games. What else have you got for me? I've got the famous, infamous Stephen Bywater stories. You, I mean, we, we, we mentioned this privately, haven't we, before? So if yeah, you want to, do you want to say it or do you want no, me to? No, I, I want you to. And uh, yeah, the only reason we mentioned it was because you wanted to, uh, you want to just safety check how... Um, <laughs> how family friendly this story is but yeah. I think it's okay don't right. worry in, in September 2010 Bywater stirred controversy in regards of a provocative art installation on the players garden in Sutton on the Hill Derbyshire the installation a horse box with a mattress and a sex doll strapped to it with graffiti sprayed on the side brought complaints from neighbours who described this piece as very vulgar and an eyesore Bywater claimed that the art was his latest hobby <laughs> And the installation was his masterpiece. <laughs> he issued a statement via Derby County saying, I would like to apologise to any supporters and local residents in Derbyshire who have been offended. It, it was, and it's still my view, that my actions were made as a private citizen and is in no way linked to Derby County. However, now it's being brought into the public domain, I acknowledge that this does not reflect well me, on me as a professional or the club. I apologise again if my actions have in any way damaged my reputation or the reputation of the club. He eventually auctioned the piece, um, announcing on eBay. <laughs> uh, sorry, announcing on Twitter that he put it on eBay and all the proceeds would go to Teen Pride Charity. So, you know, it all ends well. <laughs> what on earth possessed him to do that? I'm uh, absolutely, yeah, but the, he's a great, obviously a lover of the arts. Let's not... <laughs> he is. Why isn't there a picture of the art installation on the internet? No, I'm oh, not ooh, sure. Oh, I think there is. It's oh, just, hang on. Uh, it's just really low resolution. Ah. Um, yeah, the, the the article on the Derby Telegraph says it's a graffiti daubed toilet block and horse box. Oh, I found it. I found. It. You want me to? I'll send. I'll, I'll tweet that out later on. Actually, um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. To be completely there's, honest, there's some good quotes from the neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> One of them says, "We are trying to sell the house." I presume they're not trying to sell the house to move away from the art installation. Just that it's uh, depressing that, the value. Oh, God, this this is such a disgraceful bit of art. Um, I've, um, I've uh, yeah, sorry, what would I say? Yeah, I've, I've heard interviews with Stephen Bywater you know, at Wednesday. He's a very uh, uh, enthusiastic, shall we say, man. <laughs> okay. Um, if you listen to his interviews, you'll know what I mean. I imagine he's not a quiet lad on a night out. Oh, uh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still reading these quotes. Uh, this is a 75-year-old neighbour. It is horrible. We were away on holiday when he put it up. 
Our neighbours sent us pictures to show us what he's done and my wife didn't want to come home. He adds to it all the time, painting extra bits and putting more things on. <laughs> it's honestly disgusting. When you uh, put the podcast out, I'll tweet it underneath. So, uh, uh, it'd be funny though, people have not heard the podcast and you'll see that I've tweeted that underneath. They'll be like, what? <laughs> what have they got into? Stephen Bywater. What, uh... Yeah, the other thing I want to mention, by the way, is something I sent you in the week. Which is hard to explain without having an audio clip, but yeah, I thought this is Bri- what you were going to mention when you started talking music earlier. But go on. No, the Brian Dean song by <sighs> Luna Park, and this is another thing I'll have to share. What I said to you, what is that? <laughs> I don't know. I've I've watched it. I still don't know. It's unbelievably strange. It's, it's the because best... str- it's a normal song. It's a really normal song. It just seems like a love song or a breakup song. Then he says, would you be mine if I were Brian Dean? (laughs) (laughs) Where did he come from? So I'll share that. And if anyone has any background on that, I would love to know what the hell is going on. Absolutely. And if anyone actually, uh, anyone won that auction for Stephen Bywater's uh, (laughs) art installation, we want to hear from you as well, for sure. Uh, Just a couple more random ones from me. Uh, Andy Melville, who started for West Ham in this game, is now a football agent, so he's gone over to the uh, the dark side. The dark side, yeah. yeah. Um, Rami Shaban, who I'm pretty sure was the backup goalkeeper for West Ham, um, <clears throat> just, I was just looking into who he was, and his Wikipedia page is very odd. I'm just going to quote this. Reporters yeah. often credit Shaban for re- remaining down-to-earth Shaban claims he has friends ranging from sheet metal workers to footballers, such as Freddie Lundberg. Lundberg and Shaban remain close after becoming friends while at Arsenal. The two are often seen drinking coffee together. (laughs) He's apparently known for his love of coffee. He's often seen with a cup in his hand. He once said, I dare not keep count of how many cups I drink per day. But Mom is actually wow. even worse. God knows why this has made it onto his Wikipedia page. But... Yeah, that's a bizarre thing to have on a like basically a reserve goalkeeper's page. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he he didn't have an insignificant career. He was, uh, I think, it was a Swedish international, and uh, it was like Sweden's goalkeeper of the year a few times there. Played for Arsenal yeah. as well. So, yeah, very strange having that one on there. <laughs> uh, any any final words about this game? No, it was a good game. This, and it, it's one of those where I, I'm getting. When lockdown first happened, we couldn't go to the games. I really got enjoyment out of watching the old games, thinking, oh, that was good. I'm getting really sad now because you just remember how good it was. Even mm. the rubbish game, just being there and those little moments of joy. I find it quite hard to watch it back, as you said, with that final goal and everyone going mad. And you're like, are we going to get this back? Or come on, let's sort it out. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not too far away now, uh, even no. as the, uh, the current season drags on forever. I think they're making us play every team three or four times at the minute. It's, it's how it feels. Yeah, well, you say playing. I mean, it's funny because uh, someone said what the uh, Leeds should have done against Liverpool when the uh, Super League thing came out is just let them win. It's like, well, we do that every week. We've been doing that all season. So <laughs> yeah. maybe we should get some praise for that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I liked it when someone said, oh, dock them 70 points or whatever, put them bottom of the league. It's like, it still catches up. <laughs> yeah. If he's, he's left. <laughs> what pers- so if you put, where, if you put uh, Man City on zero points... Now, with six games to go, do you think they'd finish above us? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think, yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get a point. So I, I can't see how. I mean, who knows? Maybe the last game of the season, nothing to play for. Maybe Burnley fans put a back, few kicks out. We'll absolutely smash him with fans back in the 16 0. Fans are back. Eckingbottom yeah. gets the job for the next season. Yeah. Uh, just on the manager front, obviously, um, there's a few rumours. Uh, uh, 
I'm never going to be able to pronounce this guy's name. Go on, the Fulham man. Yukanovich. Yukanovich. I will get this if he comes. He's gone favourite now. You know, um, and there's a few, certain in the knowers, who seem to be thinking this is a done deal. Obviously, take it with a pinch of salt. But hopefully, the next time we come on, we might have a manager. Yeah. I don't know what. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the plan is really. You th- you think it would make sense to get it sorted as soon as possible? But um, yeah, I, I suppose if teams are finishing their own seasons, that's the only thing I can think of. That because yeah. people say get him in now, get him in now. But how many people are going to want to walk away from you know if if they're, if they're under? A, I don't even know what Yukanovich is doing, for instance. But if he's on the edge of he's in the Qatar league, isn't he, I think. I'm not sure actually. It's something like that. If he's on the edge of winning something, he's not going to just going to walk away to come to us for play three meaningless matches at the end of the season, you know what I mean? But maybe something's in place for someone we don't know about. He's uh, pretty good at keeping his cards close to his chest and not letting stuff out of the bag, isn't he, the Prince, to be fair? Mm, yeah, that's Nobody true. Nobody saw the Wilder thing coming, did they? So. <laughs> yeah, I suppose one one final note, actually, is uh, Wilder put out a statement via the LMA oh, yeah. this week, didn't he? Um, or last yeah. week, rather. Uh, let me just bring that up. Um, yeah, what was nice your statement? Fairly sort of yeah. nothing in there that really shocked me. I had some people like crying over it. I weren't like that, but it, it was sort of yeah, they were great times. I mean, where are you at, at the grief stage? Yeah, I've, I've I've moved to acceptance. I think that's good. Yeah, I feel. I, I, feel still, I think some people judging by it because they're like when when he uh, stepped down the chairman. Right now, we're gonna get wilder bikes. Like honestly, mate, it's not gonna happen. Just everybody forget that ever happening now because that's not gonna happen. Yeah. I'm, um, uh... See, on this statement, I mean, yeah, it's obviously, you know, there isn't anything remotely controversial in this at all. No. But, um, yeah, you know, he didn't need to do that, did he, Wilder? I no, thought that no. Was, you know, I thought that was good of that was good of him for, I guess, for the fans, for the chairman, definitely. Uh, excuse me, not the chairman, for the owner, not the chairman yeah, as well, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. Um, the chairman guess, stepped down because of it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess also for him, you know, like this is a this makes it look like he's uh, you know being being a bigger man about it. If you like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I phrase that really poorly, but I, I I do know what you mean. I, there's two ways of looking at it. I've, people read loaded into these sort of things. Oh, he can't say anything. You can tell that he wants to. And other people saying he's playing the bigger man. You can't have it both ways, really. I think I've seen people saying, oh, he showed class. He showed real class and stuff. And then at the same time saying. And he can't say anything anyways. Well, it's not classy if he can't say anything. You either have it, it's classy, or he can't say anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I mean, he, yeah, as I say, he didn't have to release a statement. So the fact that he has, I think, is a is a nice touch. I felt a lot better. Completely, yeah. I felt a lot better reading it. Uh, you know, this is obviously the first we've heard of him, since, first we've heard from him since he's been sacked. Uh, sacked, God's sake. You can tell I'm out of practice, mate. Yeah. Since sacked, he... Well, well, nobody really knows. Depending on who you speak to, some people do think he's been sacked. So. Yeah, well, I'm not one of them. Uh, I'm just... Well, uh... I, I just think, I mean, it, once again, as soon as it came out, everyone's div- divided. You know, you've got your pro, pro Prince and pro Wilders all having to go at each other. I think most people now are in the middle of, yeah, you know, it's sad. It were amazing. Absolutely incredible for us. But it's gone and, you know, things do move on and you've got to just... You know, you either stop supporting them or just crack on. Yeah. I don't. For instance, I think what's happened in the past couple of days is, for me, put in perspective how little the prince has done in terms of we've lost a manager who I reckon probably would have been sacked at most other Premier League clubs, to be honest, after this season. And we've got other current owners who are trying to break away and, you know, maybe even like forgetting about the fans and stuff. So I'm still willing to give the prince the benefit of doubt for now and see what happens. 
Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was nice to read that, and I think that did help me in my sort of acceptance of like, well, this is the reality now. We're just gonna have to to get on with it, and yeah, uh, yeah, everyone's everyone's going their separate ways, I suppose. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the extended I, I, I divorce think, metaphor. I do think it'd be nice to have a bit of a clear out in terms of the team, in terms of the the old guard and stuff like that, and. I don't know. It's been really sad this season, as we've said millions of times, to watch these players sort of, you know, it, it is the end of the era completely. As soon as Wilder went, that were it. They, I, I don't see these players coming back to a, you know, the likes of Stevens and Norwood and Fleck. I don't think they're ever going to get back to the peak of the powers they got under Wilder. Um, so, you know, it is an end of an era and all this sort of stuff. And we'll probably do an end of, you know, Wilder special at one point, won't we? Yeah, at the end of the season, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and we will, of course, do some proper... I think some proper deconstructions of this season, you know, for yeah. for better or worse. Um, also, some silver linings of going to the championship. I've got I've got a few. Uh, which no var, no var, no var. Hopefully not. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah we'll get to that in uh, in due course, I suppose. But yeah, good to catch up, mate, and uh, yeah. to talk about a uh, uh, an enjoyable game from the past as well, seeing as there aren't many enjoyable games in the present at the moment uh <laughs> anything to uh to promote living living with Maidley is uh reaching the end of its first season isn't it reaching the end of its first season We're recording tonight actually season uh, episode 11 should i say then we've got one more after that uh then we're having a bit of a break over back but yeah i've been enjoying doing it again to be fair but can't carry on forever you know what i mean we can't we need a break to come out with all these incredible facts about old tv shows <laughs> <laughs> Always enjoyable. So what's that? That's going to be episode 12? 11, is it? That's 11. We're recording 11 tonight. That should be out this weekend. Uh, we were a bit delayed last week, so I went to the pub. Mm. <laughs> so we had to uh, yeah, we had to uh, publish later. And then, um, yeah, and then the last one will be the week after, and then we'll have a break. And if anyone has been listening, really, really, I really, really appreciate it. Liam really appreciates it as well. Um, and we're going to do like a, a, a listener special where everything that people have sent into us to talk about, we've not got round to talking about. We're going to go through them and sort of pick out. So if anyone has been listening and you want to, you know, you think, oh, you should have mentioned that, you know, give us a tweet at, at Living With Made One, and uh, we'll we'll talk about it when we do this correspondence special, if you want to call it. Excellent stuff. Was um, do you want to tell people what the next episode is about? Yeah, tonight we're doing uh, comedies that were underrated. Um, so. Comedies that we don't feel got the love that they should have. Uh, people might not know some of them. People might know some of them. It refreshes the memory. But just a bit of a, a tribute to things that we love that no one else really speaks about or seems to speak about anyway. I'm very interested to see what comes out of that, actually. It's hard to do because we were saying this because there's some comedies... By its nature, like the, it's... the things that no one remembers, well, I can't remember them. Yeah, I mean, these are things that I think people, the ones I picked are things people might remember, but have either been underrated, people, critics didn't like them or whatever, yeah. or they got low viewers. But we're not going to do stuff like Peep Show, because everyone who's watched Peep Show likes Peep Show, if you know what I mean. <laughs> we're going to try and do some, but even though it got low views, we're going to try and do stuff, you know, that is maybe gone under the radar a little bit. We're not going to do, like, obscure comedies from China or anything like that. <laughs> need to check out, you know what I mean? So you, you probably will have heard of all of them, or at least most of them, so... Nice. Oh, I'd be interested to see obscure comedy from China. That was a big way to broaden, <laughs> broaden yeah. your horizons, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's living with Maidley. That's available uh, anywhere you got this podcast from. And uh, I yeah. did a view from as well from Wolves, and um, they're genuinely like they've gone down. <laughs> they've had a poor season, to be fair, haven't they? They're, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I think uh, I think you're doing a top three uh, most COVID affected seasons. It would be us, Liverpool, Wolves. I think. Yeah, I think so. I can't think of anyone else at the top of my head who's who's lost out as much. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, Leeds, well, yeah, uh, yeah, Leeds most positively affected by not having any fans there. And uh, on the, on the, on the flip side of that, uh, if Leeds struggle next year, which I don't think they will, but if they do, can you imagine it? They're going back and like, why were we there when we were really good last season? <laughs> yeah. uh, I know. I suppose uh, at least we were there when we were good. I suppose we'll yeah. be able to cling to that. But let's get us back next season. Let's hope everything, obviously for millions of reasons, hope everything gets back to some sort of normality. It seems to be going in the right direction and. You know, next time we do a podcast next season, we might be saying, oh, yeah, so I get the match. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah that's all so. uh, speaking for myself, I know it all feels a bit more hopeful at the moment. So yeah. uh, I hope everyone else is um, yeah, of a similar mind anyway. Mm. And, uh, and that it proves, uh, proves accurate in the uh, short to medium and long term, I suppose. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, mate. Let's uh, let's wrap up there. Great to uh, great to catch up with you as always. And uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers. Thank you to Glistening Kicks, the sponsor of this podcast. They are a Sheffield-based business delivering high-end cleaning, restoration, and weather treatment services for shoes, sneakers, and trainers. So if you've ever looked down at your footwear and thought they could use a bit of a touch-up, Glistening Kicks are for you. They recently serviced some shoes for none other than our very own Sheffield United goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale as well. And they are, of course, run by Blades fans. They can remove loose dirt and debris, give deep clean to laces, shoes and midsoles, and also touch up any scuffs or imperfections. Plus, if you're looking for a repaint due to damage or general wear and tear, they can take care of that for you too. Glistening Kicks offer local collection and return in Sheffield and the surrounding areas, including Rotherham, Barnsley, Chesterfield and other locations in South Yorkshire and Derbyshire. They also do nationwide shipping via their safe, fast and reliable courier service, so you can be sure your footwear is in the best possible hands. Save yourself from spending on a brand new pair. Give your existing kicks the treatment they deserve instead. Head over to glisteningkicks.co.uk and book your service today. That's glisteningkicks.co.uk. You can also follow them on Instagram at glistening underscore kicks for a closer look at the great work they do in making shoes and trainers look their best.